franchise tags and extending void dates. What does that mean for the defensive tackle market for the Houston Texans? Remember, project your voice if you don't have your mic. Yeah. All right, cool. Three, two, one. <clears throat> to tie it all in, we want to develop a great team here that we can deliver wins to the city of Houston. We want to deliver a championship here to the city of Houston, and that's what it, that's what it'll be about. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to a Thursday episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All the way from Fort Worth, Dallas, Texas, and this mm. is my last day out here. <laughs> boy John Hickman, and of course, I am joined by none other than Cody Davis. I want to say this, man. Listen, when it comes to the uh, Latin culture, the Hispanic culture, and the food, man, it ain't too many people that do it better than Houston. And, I, and listen, <laughs> It ain't Dallas Fort Worth. I'll tell you that. Y'all are taking Well, Dallas Fort Worth doesn't do a lot of things better than the city of Houston. I'm just saying. That's very true. I had some, uh, uh, you know, Hispanic food, Mexican food the other day, and it was terrible. It was bad. (laughs) So now I'm feeling to get back home so I can give me some real uh, uh, authentic Mexican food. But let's talk about the Houston, Texas. Let's start off with. The defensive tackle market for Houston is shaping up right before a free agency, and things are going to get a little bit more clear as to who they can target and what's going to be who's going to be out there on the market. The Vikings defensive tackle Dalvin Tomlinson had a deal that uh, set that was set to void uh, his contract in recent days. That would have pushed about seven point five million dollars of dead money onto the Vikings' two thousand twenty three cap. However, the team and Thomason agreed to move that void date to March 15th, and that'll buy some time for a possible extension that will avoid the $7.5 million hitting that cap space. So right now it's likely that Thomason, who had a very good year for Minnesota, will return back to the Vikings for another year, and he was set to be a free agent this offseason and also the commanders are expected to place a franchise tag to pro bowl defensive tackle my favorite defensive tackle uh, out of him jeffrey simmons deron Payne, according to ben standing so those are two of i would consider some of the better options at defensive tackle that was you know set to hit the market this this offseason and i kind of knew that the 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 kind of commanders were going to get to run mm-hmm. pain, but that does shape out um, differently for the Houston Texans. It does change things how they can approach this offseason to address that position. Yeah, and and I like that you mentioned those two guys because I think had they had an opportunity to go out there and test the free agency market, I think those two guys would have been at the top of their free agency class at their position. And that's very important because John, going into free agency, I would like to. I would like to see 
the Texans tr try to see if they are going to meet a standards that I'm a standard that I'm holding them to. And what I mean by that is every single position should come with a new standard into how they're going to improve this team. Because yes, there are some quality good players that the Texans will have an opportunity to go out there and sign. However, I want to know how are they going to benefit the Houston Texans in their rebuild? Remember, they're still in the early stages of the rebuild. However, in terms of the defensive line unit, that is where I really want to see the Houston Texans spend most of their top dollars in free agency. Because when you take a look at the potential talent that they can get in the draft, you look in the first round, everyone, including you and myself, we are expecting the Houston Texans to go out and draft a quarterback and pair him with a wide receiver. With that said, you're gonna have you're gonna miss out on arguably the two best defensive linemen coming out in this year's draft. With that being said, I do believe that in terms of D'Amico Ryan's coming over as a defensive-minded coach, you know what type of defensive philosophy he's going to bring, especially one for a team that needs to stop the run because for the third consecutive season, like we've mentioned, ever since they let DJ Reader go, this is a team who has given up over an average of 130 yards on the ground. Last year, it was 170 and when I take a look at the improvements that the Houston Texans need automatically, we ain't got time for you to draft no second, third, fourth round prospect and give them time to develop in hopes of stopping a run and improving the Houston Texans defensive line corner. No, you need to starting, I believe it's March 13th is the legal tampering period. And I think people are able to sign with their new team on the 16th, if I'm not mistaken, starting on March 13th, that defensive line unit is where I want to see the Texans especially attack in free agency. You got some money, go out there and use it. Yeah, and I think there are three options right now that Houston should look at. And I break it down like this. Difference maker, uh, mm -hmm. a, a player that I think can come in and be a part of your rotation and be effective as a depth player. And then we got one of those players who I believe can be in between. Maybe he can be a starter. Maybe, you know, he can be a, a very good starter alongside of Malik Collins when I look specifically at the defensive tackle position. Or maybe he can be somebody that can be another rotational player, but it's a dominant one. Like Charles Lynn, who was able to be in San Fran. So first I want to look at David Onyemata, right? Played for the New Orleans Saints. Officially had five sacks last season, 11 quarterback hits, plus a former recovery, as well as 43 tackles. 25 of them were solo. Five tackles for loss. Pro Football Focus charted him with 35 total quarterback pressures. And he's a player that I believe can be one of those in-between players, right? I think that he can come in and help out what I think – uh, his running mate would be in Malik Collins, right? And I think that if he's not a starter day one, if Houston decides to maybe invest in that position in the draft, he can still be very valuable to this team. Then secondly, I look at a depth player where I think Houston could use a guy like this. Now, y'all may not like this, but I look at a player strictly off of what he could be as a rotational player, and that's Taven Bryant. Formerly the first-round pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars, spent last season with the Cleveland Browns, and I think Houston does need a more impactful depth player. Between Michael DeWumford, Jaden Johnson, and Taylor Starworth, Starworth, I believe all of those players are replaceable.
Brian total 26 tackles and a career high in three sacks last year. Could be a nice rotation player if Houston builds the, excuse me, builds that line around the, you know, just build talent on that line. He could come in and help out and be one of those guys that could either be a decent starter or, you know, or a backup player if those edge guys, the play from the edge, the DNs and the edge players are, you know, upgrade. Now, the difference maker, the guy that I believe if Houston does bring him in, he changes the trajectory of what we, you know, would project this team to be. And that, that's Javon Hargraves, Hargraves uh, from the Eagles. Listen, a still to be a stud signing for Houston. I immediately think of adding Hargraves would be monumental for Malik Collins. Malik Collins has not had a great running mate next to him since being in Houston. So that's number one. And I think he'd be great for second year defensive tackle Thomas Booker, one of those players that can be a coach on and off the field in the locker room. And I think that he can help some of those young guys like Booker progress in his game, like a Roy Lopez who will still be here because it's under contract unless Houston decides to move on from him if they upgrade. And I think even when I look at Taven Bryan, he can be an upgrade over Roy Lopez. But those guys, uh, 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 Kurt Hennish, those are, are, are players that you would want a J- Javon Hargraves to be around so he can be able to coach them up on and off the field. Last season, 11 sacks, that was a career high. 34 pressures, 10 tackles for loss. He'd just be huge for us. And the Eagles would have a hard time bringing him back because they got to get a deal done for Jalen Hurts. So the money won't unnecessarily add up. I don't see how they'd be able to keep him. My only concern is right now, the tier one defensive tackle market right now is around $20 million. And I think that maybe, just maybe, too much. Is that too much? But then, how you know, what's the price can you put on a player that can immediately upgrade you in a dire need? And that's helping stop the run. That's helping create pressure up the middle. That's helping being a centerpiece and allowing the other three or four guys around the line of scrimmage to play monumentally better. That is what Javon Hargraves will be able to bring to any franchise. And I think he'd help out Houston tremendously in that area. So right now, the NFL is currently in the offseason. We're waiting for the free agency period to start. Then the draft, the midway point of the NBA season is here. And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, the America's number one sports book. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel app right now. It's safe, it's secure, and most importantly, it's super easy to use. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine for a bigger chance at a payout, at a bigger payout with same-game parlays. Don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner with the NBA and the NFL. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Thursday installment of Locked On Texans. One more day before I have to look at Houston Rockets basketball again, unfortunately. Love my job, but man, I just wish it was better product there on the court. And as of right now, um, they will return from the All-Star break without 
Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., which means the product is going to be a little bit more unwatchable. But with all that being said, from one rebuilding team to another rebuilding team who has the has the chance to improve their talent on both sides of the ball. John, we opened up this segment talking about how important it was for the Houston Texans to put money into that defensive front. And I think we all can agree that's probably the most important position group. Linebacker is probably a close second or offensive lineman, you know, giving you a take um, that they should invest the most money. However, when you take a look at that defensive front, I I would like to see the Texans really invest in getting a very good, you know, you know my turn, quality, solid, no, a very good defensive tackle that can actually help you stop the run and get after the quarterback and wreak havoc on the opposing team offensive line. However, with that being said, John, I'm a little bit conflicted because I do want to see the Houston Texans put more money in actually upgrade with their edge rushers because as of right now, I know Jerry Hughes is coming off a phenomenal good season, by the way. I think he might be the Texans' best offseason acquisition from last year. Thankfully, like Steven Nelson, had an opportunity to get him on a two-year deal. Um, He finished this past season with a team-high nine sacks. He still got something left in the tank. However, John, at the start of next season, he's going to be 35 years old. And at some point, he's going to start showing his age which means the Houston Texans are definitely going to have to look at who's going to be the next edge rusher to step up. Yes, you have Jonathan Grenard on the opposite side of the defensive line. However, he cannot stay healthy. Can't trust what you can't trust. Exactly. We are going into what? He didn't really play too much in his rookie campaign, but, you know, looking at his sophomore year and his junior year, it was like we, every single year, we had so much expectations for John Gennard, and unfortunately, injuries got into the way. Um, You take a look at what he did in his sophomore season. He played 12 games and finished with eight sacks. That's very good. We placed high expectations on John Gennard for this upcoming season in 2022, and look what happened. Eight games, a sack, and a half. That is not going to cut it. So when I look at this defensive line unit, like I mentioned, yes, I want to see them, and I think it's more important for them to address the defensive tackles. However, outside on the edge, you got an agent, Jerry Hughes, and you got a guy who I do believe can probably, let's say, be a second-tier edge rusher if he – reaches his potential however availability is the best ability is the best ability and unfortunately john Gennard has not been available through the first what quarter of his career so far yeah you know what i'm looking at something really quick i wanted to check to you know okay so he's six five all right then i look at john Gennard, and john Gennard, he is six three okay what if just throw this idea out there because it just it just came to me really? What if John Grenard is eventually moved inside, like Charles Romini, who was for the San Fran 49ers? I wouldn't like that. I, I wouldn't like that only because this you know, he does have a smaller frame. Charles Romini was 6'5. Um and, and and I look at John Grenard, he is 6'3, 263 pounds compared to a Charles Ominahu who is uh, six five, and as of right now, he is around two hundred and eighty pounds. So he is smaller in frame when I look at John Gennard. But uh, again, I am trusting D'Amico Ryan's to find ways to pull the best 
out of the players that's already on this roster. You can't come in year one and immediately have an entire roster shake up and change. That is true. And um, we, we, we don't know. We, we, we just don't know. Uh, and like we said, you can't trust what you can't trust when you look at John Bernard and his health situation. There was moments last year when he was on the, on the field where it was like, okay, we just need you to do some of that for four quarters for out of a 17-game season, 13 <laughs> to 14 games, right? Mm-hmm. And then we'll be able to properly evaluate you. But now when I look at John Bernard, I think the proper evaluation is, man, we can't trust you to stay on the field. And that's not a knock to his skills. It's just that he hasn't been able to do so so far. But when we talk about the edge rusher position, Cody, I get it. I understand. But I cannot sit here and look at a team that allowed 170 rushing yards (laughs) on the ground and say to myself, a major upgrade at defensive tackle Mm -hmm. is a necessity. And I'm sorry. And I like your – I like the thought of, you know, upgrading that edge position because you are 100% right. Jerry Hughes is getting old. He is 35, and I don't know if he was on that Michael Jordan Space Jam. <laughs> I don't know what he was on last year, but he played some damn good football. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mario Addison was a player that, you know, I believe he can play in and out, but he didn't play a lot last year due to injury as well and wasn't really just eye-popping whenever he did play. I don't think there's no way around it. In the draft, in free agency, Houston has to find a way to get better with the interior defensive line. Mm-hmm. And, and what's, what's, what's funny about it is they also got to find a way to get better with the edge position, with, with your defensive ends, right? I think both of those are almost identically important. But you were able to somewhat get after the quarterback last year. Maybe not as consistently as you want to, but you were able to have moments where you were able to get sacks on quarterbacks, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I look at Houston and their sack total, and I'm, I'm going to look it up, but you were not able at any point throughout the year on a consistent basis. I think they had maybe two games where they held the running back or a mm-hmm. team under 100 yards. Um, in 2022, you weren't able to do that. And so – this league is all about controlling what you can control and getting better at what you need to get better at. I can't sit here and say that 170 yards on the ground per game through 17 games, and you have got statistically worse <laughs> each year without DJ Reader isn't an area of need. When I look at what the Houston Texans were able to do in terms of sacks, the Texans had 38 sacks and they allowed 39 sacks. Um, thirty. I would take thirty-eight sacks. Got I got thirty-eight sacks, but I cannot take and accept one hundred and seventy yards on the ground. So, again, they brought in Chris Kiffin. They kept a uh, D-line coach Jock Cesar. I think those two guys are going to be able to work together in order to, along with Demico Ryan's, in order to scheme up how can the first two levels of the Houston Texans improved to stop the run because the linebackers had a lot to do with it as well, right? Mm-hmm. We're being completely honest with you. We didn't see Christian Kirksey play well until we saw Christian Harris get on the field and saw him progress as a rookie throughout the year. It allowed Christian Kirksey to, you know, play downhill uh, when Kamu Grugier-Hill was, uh, you know, allowed to move on in his career. 
So it is going to take the first seven guys on this defense to improve. But it starts right up front. It always starts right up front. And they got to improve that defensive tackle position, which, I, which is why I go back to Javon Hargraves. Right? I don't know how realistic that is. And, you know, maybe spending $20 million, maybe I don't know how they would, you know, construct that contract. Maybe it's a certain amount this year. And then next year when Houston has a substantial amount of more money, they, you know, pay him more. I don't know. But I think he is a player that he is a plug and play and dominate type of guy that can change that entire defensive tackle unit. And when you talk about the improvements that this defensive unit, this defensive line unit can make, um, I still go back to John Gennard because I still think a lot is, is still riding on his shoulders. Um, John, really quick to your point about, about switching him and, and getting him to the inside of that defensive line unit. I don't like it only because this would be John Gennard's fourth year in the league, and this will be, what, his third time switching positions, having to learn a whole entire new position? Because remember, when he got here as a rookie, the defensive coordinator was Anthony Weaver, and he was listed as a linebacker. They got Lovey Smith. You put him at um, defensive end, which the first year of that experiment was really good. However, second year, like we keep mentioning, due to injuries, um, he regressed. Now he is going on his third defensive coordinator. Um, of course, well, defensive coordinator, defensive coach in terms of D'Amico Ryan's Um I just don't want to see him continuously bouncing from position to position to position because only because eventually that will start. It wasn't a real uh, uh, change for him. He had defensive end experience. And I think the only reason why it was maybe like, oh, what what, what is he going to do at the end compared to playing the 3-4 linebacker is his body size and frame. He's 6'3", 260 pounds. That may be more fit for uh, 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 outside linebacker compared to a traditional DN, but he played it in college and he was successful at it. So I, that wasn't a real. It was concern for me. And once again, with this team still being in the early stages of their rebuild, um, especially with these young players that they have, that's what I don't want to see the Houston Texans do because we've seen in the past of how they bounce players from position to position to position and it starts to hinder their development i.e. Lonnie Johnson Jr. Remember the corner, safety back to corner? When he was fine at safety, then they switched his behind back to corner for some god-awful reason. Don't know why, but that's neither here or there. But, you know. Maybe that was on his own merit. Yeah, but at the end of the day, um, like you mentioned, at the end of the day, it's all going to go back to, you know, trusting D'Amico Ryans and his coaching staff, more so D'Amico Ryans, on that defensive side of the ball to get the best out of the players who are here. Now, um, in addition to John Gennard, I also do believe that when you look at the improvements that the Houston Texans need to make with the interior defensive line, a lot is also going to be riding on the shoulders of Roy Lopez. He looked good his rookie season. For some reason, like, like almost everybody else in that sophomore class, eventually he hit this sophomore slump. But if he can get back to the player but of course better because of the experience that he have that we saw the potential throughout his rookie campaign, that interior defensive front is going to be 10 times better as well. Yeah. And I will say this, I, I think that with Roy Lopez, he hits moments before we move on. He has hit moments throughout his you know short career where mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks, he looks good for a few weeks. He looks clueless. Then he kind of gets back to it. I thought that uh, Roy Lopez, especially I thought the entire defense for Houston looked different. 
you know, better to close out the year last year. And I thought Roy Lopez benefited from whatever change Lovey Smith made. So he's a guy that I do want to see Roy, just like Thomas Booker, who I think, you know, will improve. But I want to see Roy and Booker and those young defensive tackles. I want to see them with at least one year, especially Roy, because he's been in the league for this will be his third year, at least mm -hmm. one year under uh, Domingo Ryans and his coaching staff to see, you know, what can they do to get the most out of him. Welcome back in, Locked On Texan listeners. It's Thursday, man. The weekend is almost here. And if you are a parent, two weeks till spring break. Oh. Yeah. And I get to enjoy that for the first <laughs> time in forever. But some good news for the Houston Texans. Some real good news for Cody Davis. You know what it is, Cody? What? The Houston Texans have retained running back coach Danny Barrett. I think that is a phenomenal decision. Yes, sir. But they, you know, they, they already, you know, announced my guy. Coach, quarterback <laughs> coach Dino Vasso. Mm -hmm. But bringing back Danny Barrett. Let me tell you why I think that's, you know, important for Demico Rhymes. I think the running back coach was one of those position coaches that didn't need to be touched at all, right? Mm -hmm. If you evaluate what Danny Barrett was able to do in his time with and without a running back. His first year in Houston, mm -hmm. yeah, Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. That was a very good tandem for Houston. Carlos Hyde had reached a hundred yards, I mean, a thousand yards for the first time in his career, and Duke Johnson was one of those do-it-all utility backs that played well for the Houston Texans. For some reason, that offseason, <laughs> they traded DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson. And the downfall begins. Carlos Hyde and the downfall of the running back position you know, starts to spiral out. But last year, mm, mm, mm. he got him a guy. He got him a young buck in Damian Pierce. And it wasn't the running ability that, you know, really showed, right? We, I, I think that if you go back and watch this tape in Florida, Damian Pierce was always a good runner, a hard, tough runner, right? But I think it was the small things that would make an NFL running back successful in the league that you were able to see get better and better each week when he was healthy and on the field, blocking out of the backfield, uh, picking up blitzes when it was necessary. Like those things, hitting the holes when you need to hit the holes because of the transition from college to the NFL is different because the holes are smaller. You got to know when and when not to hit it. Those were some of the things that we, we were able to see out of Damian Pierce improve on. And I think, the, the joy and happiness of Danny Beard whenever he talked about Danny mm. last year was phenomenal. Also, the Titans released wide receiver Robert Woods. You do with that information as you may. Does it make sense for Robert Woods to stay in the AFC South with the Houston Texans? Of course, that depends on the amount of money Woods would accept in free agency, and but it also depends on where Woods wants to go. I'm pretty sure he wants to be you know, competitive again and play with a team that can compete after playing for the L.A. Rams for a couple of years. The Dallas Cowboys. Now, this is a position that Cody and I hadn't really talked about, but the Cowboys are not expected to franchise tag tight end Dalton Schultz. So, let's talk about that next time we talk football. Does it make sense for the Houston Texans to target this tight end. D'Amico Ryans is coming from the San Francisco 49ers, Cody, where they had who? George Kittle. Hmm. Very good tight end. 
And when you look at the tight end group for the Houston Texans, you can sit here and say, well, let's wait and see. Very if they can Very underwhelming. Right. And I also think if he's available in the third round, the Houston Texans should possibly go out and get Darnell Washington, the tight end out of Georgia. I love him. He's nasty. He's a nasty block and he can do some things in space with that big body frame. Mm. So the tight end position is an interesting one because yeah. you can sit here and say, wait and see. Is it an immediate upgrade, a need for upgrade in year one? Or do you upgrade every other position and allow that tight end to come along itself? Mm, I say, depending on what they could like, if they could get, it all depends on what they get in free agency. If you could get a good veteran in free agency at that position, I feel like you can use that third round pick on a other position that you might need to upgrade. Um, but it, I think this is the benefit of having part of the benefits of having free agency before the draft. Yeah. I, like you get an opportunity to build out your roster with veterans um, and then go out and see what type of prospects you can bring in. Because the only reason why I don't want to see the Houston Texans draft a tight end, especially that high, you'll be looking at the third consecutive year where you draft a tight end and then we got to see them go through the carousel ways of getting themselves established, getting their foot in the door. And, you know, how is that going to defect the, the, the how is that going to impact the tight ends that you already have on your roster? IETQ, who we think is going to probably have a solid um, sophomore campaign, given the promise that he finished off the season with. And of course, Bourbon Jordan, like he just got lost in the shuffle last year. Um, but, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see how they go about um, attacking the tight end position, whether it's free agency or the draft. However, with that being said, I'm just so happy that they had an opportunity to keep Danny Barrett, man. Um, phenomenal guy when you get an opportunity to talk to him um, away from the mics, away from the camera and stuff. And I always wanted to see the Houston Texans keep keep him because not only has he been a very good position coach for their running back room, i.e. Damian Pierce, but you can actually see that him and Pierce has a relationship and a trust factor is there. Remember early on in the 2022 campaign when we was whining and complaining as to why Damian Pierce wasn't on the field and for this particular play, you know, he had what two fumbles in a game against the bears and they benched him and stuff or whatever. Damian Pierce spoke on several occasions, how he was able to overcome those yeah. mistakes due to the relationship um, that he has with Danny Barrett and, and for the expectations and the high hopes that I think we all have for Damian Pierce, you have to be sure that you keep somebody in his corner, um, a coach like that, to make sure to help him get to that next level. Thank you guys for checking out today's episode <laughs> of the Locked On Texan Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. Twitter, man. Twitter's a funny place. Uh, at Locked On Texans, and then scroll over to YouTube and make sure you subscribe to the Locked On Texan podcast on YouTube as well. Y'all see my name down there, John underscore Hickman 12. It's offseason, man. It's time for me to change my name up for the next few months, so I'll figure out what I want it to be. But give me a follow, give me a holler shot at me. Let's talk football. And as always, I'm your host, Cody M. Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.